Uh, yeah. So today we're talking about the prayer course. Uh, this has been a rough week for me. I'll be honest with you. Uh, last weekend was the, the College World Series, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a college sports fan. I grew up in Mississippi, so we didn't have any pro sports. It was all about college sports. And uh, my alma mater, we won the, the College World Series last year. And uh, this year, the, what we call the school up north, uh, they won. Uh, we, if you're from Mississippi State, you're not allowed to use the name of that other school. Uh, so we just call it the school up north. And even though it's just northern Mississippi, it's really not that far north. But, uh, but anyway, they won this year. And, and I, as I was in social media or I got texts from friends or what have you, it was really hard to stay positive when you find out that something like that has happened. And, you know, they were like, friends were like, oh, you should cheer for them. I was like, no. Like, you can't cheer for those people. Like, that school. Like, I can cheer for just about anybody except for that school, right? It's just not something you do if you went to Mississippi State. You don't cheer for, I almost said Ole Miss. But uh, there, I went and said it, right? Like, I, you, don't even, you don't even mention their names. There's a lot of things that we don't do because of who we are, right? A lot of things we are supposed to do because of who we are. In prayer, the thing we're talking about today is the thing that we're, our lives are to be marked by, right? As followers of Jesus. I mean, granted, this is 4th of July weekend, and so everybody in America is a Christian, right? Because you were born here. That's not true. If you think that, that's not true, by the way. Uh, it means that you're a follower of Jesus means that you're a Christian, not that you were born in, the, in America. So if you're, not a, if, you were just, if you're not a follower of Jesus, but you consider yourself a Christian, You've been deceived. Let me just say that to you here right at the get-go. That it means, to be a Christian means that you follow Jesus, that you model your life after your Savior, the one who died for you on the cross. And part of that is, it's to shape your life by prayer, by prayer. And so here we find ourselves, we're going through the book of Luke, Gospel of Luke, and we find ourselves in the Gospel of Luke, and Jesus is teaching on, uh, his first teaching on what is prayer, what is it all about? What do we, how do we do it? When do we do it? All that kind of thing. And so we're going to find ourselves here. I want to just want to say up front that, that prayer is powerful because prayer makes things happen. Prayer makes things happen in your life. I am really loud. I feel like I'm really loud. I don't want to be yelling at people because I'll yell anyway. Chris, you can back me off a little bit. Be grateful to that. Jesus says in the New Testament, ask and you'll receive. That's what Jesus said. If you ask him, you will receive. James, Jesus' brother, says, you have not because you ask not. You don't have because you don't ask him. Prayer is powerful because it's actually, you might even look at prayer as being prophetic of your life. What do I mean by that? I don't mean that you can pray, you can just, you know, you can say it and make it happen, right? But that's not what I mean. What I mean by prayer is prophetic is that it tells you the direction of your life because it tells you the direction of your heart. It tells you your connection with your creator God. It tells you of, of where you're headed and you're ultimately because it reveals your heart before God. Prayer is prophetic in that way. It tell, in prayer, we tell God our longings, our deepest desires, our deepest struggles. We, we confess those things in prayer. Prayer reveals our lives. It's prophetic in that way. You want power in your life? You want to experience miracles in your life? I want to tell you how, how to find those, how to have those happen. Do you want to see the hand of God upon your family? Do you want to see God's favor move throughout your, your work, your clients, your customers? 
Do you want to see transformation? Do you want to experience transformation? Do you want to overcome sin? The key to all of them is prayer. Prayer is how all of those are incorporated into our lives. That's the front door to it. And so we find ourselves in Luke chapter 11. If you've got your Bible with you, I encourage you to, to follow along. Uh, there should be one there at your, at your knees in front of you. Um, if you're like me and you use one on your phone, then you can get to it quicker than all of us. Um, Luke chapter 11, starting verse 1. <clears throat> what is prayer? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus and to pray like Jesus? He says, one day, Scripture says, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray like John's disciples taught them to pray. Jesus said, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Before we go any further, I just want to... An observation I had as I was reading through this this week is, why did they wait so long to ask him how to pray? I mean, you think of all the things that Jesus has done with his disciples up to this point. I mean, they've seen miracles. They saw the feeding of the 5,000 just, just a couple pages ago, right? They, they saw the, the, the Lazarus raised from the dead through prayer. They saw the little girl, right, who was dead. They saw her brought back to life. They saw the, the, the healings, the, the woman who had been bleeding for 13 years, they saw her healed. They saw the man born blind, able to see, the man who couldn't walk before from birth, able to walk again. They saw all of these miracles. They, they'd seen Jesus cast out demons, even demons that they were unable to, to handle. And now they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Well, what they what they describe here is teach us to pray like John did. Like John taught his disciples to pray. You see, often rabbis would teach their disciples uh, ways to pray. Prayers to pray. Scripts that they might pray. Which isn't a bad thing if you've ever experienced that. If you've ever used a prayer resource like that. Those things can be very helpful. But, but for the disciples in that day of, of certain rabbis, that would become your... Uh, your brand identity, right? We pray this way. We pray that way. Right? We use these words kind of, everybody would know I'm a follower of John or I'm a follower of Jesus by the way I pray because it revealed their, connect, their understanding of who God was and, and what was unique about them, right? So teach us to pray like John did, like John taught his disciples. We want people to know who we are like John's disciples know, people know who they are. Jesus says, Jesus showed them in this beginning verse that prayer isn't a feeling. It's not something we feel like. It's not, a, it's not an internal thing. It's actually something we do. Prayer is something that we actually do or not. It's, it's plugging ourselves into the most powerful resource we have, God, the creator of the universe. It's about connecting our lives to him. In prayer, I, I stop and think of all the tragedies that have happened in our world. And man, it seems like there's there used to be one a year. Now it seems like there's like three or four a week, like major tragedies that are going on. I mean, and well-meaning Christians will offer thoughts and prayers, and they are ridiculed for 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 offering that. 
thoughts and prayers, right? You may have heard. They, people will even put it in air quotes, in all caps, thoughts and prayers, right? Like it's, like it's a joke. Like as if to say, well, why don't you really do something, right? So offering your thoughts and prayers, I mean, I just want to tell you, some of you who are followers of Jesus may not be aware of this, but just saying that I'm, I'm, I'll be thinking and praying for you, that's not always received well. I'll just say that. That people who aren't Christians, a lot of them, will often hear that and think negatively towards you and your intentions. Why? Because in their minds, we're not doing anything. In their minds, we're not doing anything. We're not doing enough. Which, I get it, it's farther, it's farther from the truth that you can get. And yet, that's the reality of it. Why is it a lot of times that we say we'll pray for somebody and we never do? We don't. I mean, every week you get, if you get a program, you get a list of prayer requests. People are asking you to pray. And how often do we look at it? There's a list of things that we ask you to pray about for your church daily. How often? I think it's because just like our friends who we offer our thoughts and prayers for and they think it's a joke, that that we too, we don't even appreciate the power that's in prayer. That what prayer actually accomplishes in, in us and through us. Like what God is actually wanting to do in prayer. I think we miss that. We don't value it either. Here's, a, here's a one thing we could do that maybe would begin to change that. Instead of putting the little prayer emoji, you know, if you're on social media at all, if, instead of putting the little prayer emoji with a cross out there beside people, actually write a prayer. Write a prayer. Actually type it out. Whatever you're going to pray in that moment, and granted it's not going to be eloquent or it's not, it doesn't even make sense to anybody but you, but write it out. Actually type out the prayer that you're praying for your friend. I mean, you said you pray for them, so like, just write it. Let them read it. It doesn't have to be anything grand. It doesn't have to be weird. Just doesn't have to draw attention to you, but, but point them to God. When you talk to a friend and they say, and, and you're tempted to say, I'll be praying for you. Instead, just stop right there in the, in the, in the produce line at the grocery store, right? You're, you're standing there over the, over, the, over the eggs. And just pray. Lord, my friend is nervous about a medical procedure. I ask you, God, that you bless her. That you bless her. You give her peace and confidence that you're at work in this. Even though they, she may not understand it. God, reveal yourself. I love you. Amen. That's it. Then go on, get your spaghetti, and get on out. Right? You know, it doesn't have to be a big to-do. Just pray in that moment. Because, you see, in that way, prayer becomes actually evangelistic. Because, because prayer works through your words in their life. Yeah, but, but Jesus, I, Jesus prayed all the time, but, but I'm not, I mean, he was God. He had this connection to power. He had this connection to miracles. Like, who, who am I? I'm not bold like that. I don't have that kind of wisdom. The Bible is full of stories of people, not Jesus, who also did amazing things, devoted themselves to prayer. One of the best stories in the Bible about prayer is, in, is the book of Daniel, actually. The story of Daniel. Daniel chapter 6 kind of 
encapsulates the part of the bulk of the story uh, where it pointed out that Daniel was so different than all the other leaders, right? The king had, had selected Daniel because he was head and shoulders above everybody else. He gave him responsibilities that he'd never give anybody else. Well, everybody else <laughs> began to get jealous, right? That's how that works, right? And so they got the king's ear. They said, hey, king, what you need to do is you need to put a rule into place that if people don't bow down to you, they should be killed. King says, that's a fantastic idea. Everybody should bow down to me. And so verse 10 of chapter 6 in Daniel says, I think, nope, I don't have it here. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. He didn't stop because, I don't know if I should do this. He didn't stop because he wasn't sure. He didn't stop because he might get in trouble. He didn't stop because he's going to appear awkward. He didn't stop. He kept praying. Even when everything told him, I probably shouldn't do this. He kept praying and kept praying. He actually did something, an action, not a feeling. He just didn't say, oh, yeah, I feel like I'm praying. I'm, I'm connected to the Lord. No, he actually committed himself to prayer. Paul, who also went through some pretty dramatic events in his life, he said in, in 1 Thessalonians 5 to pray continuously. He told the church, he told us to pray continuously. Don't stop. Don't stop, meaning it's something that you're doing. It's an action. Don't stop, he says. Keep doing it. It's not an attitude of your heart. It's a behavior that you practice as a follower of Jesus. Keep doing it. Keep doing it because it's how we connect our lives to God. I think one reason why those folks who criticize us for our thoughts and prayers, right, the reason why that we get criticism for that, the same reason that, that we don't take our prayer, our prayer life as seriously as maybe we should is because we don't fully understand the privilege the, the, of what prayer is. Like it's, yes, it's an action, but, but it's also part of our family inheritance. It's part of something that we're given as being in the family of God, that you've been given the opportunity to commune with the creator of the universe and prayer is the place you do that. Prayer is how you do that. It's how you connect. It's a privilege. It's not for everybody. Prayer is not for everybody. To some, it'll be like a foreign language. It will be awkward and embarrassing to some because their hearts aren't there. Their hearts aren't there. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So yes, your friend mocks your prayer. Your, your, maybe not your friend, but, but, those, but people outside the church mock the idea of thoughts and prayers because, yeah, their hearts are somewhere else. They don't get it. They, don't understand. they haven't experienced the power of prayer. Why? Because they're... Their lives are pointing in a different direction. Their lives are pointing in a different direction. And so, enter in the blessing of a friend who loves Jesus. Because then we pray for them. 
Because we pray, whatever their prayer request is, we pray for them in that spot, right there in the grocery store, right by the milk. We're praying for them. And, and we pray fervently and hoping that God will move and they will see God work through our prayers in their life. You see how it works? And then in that moment, they say, what? You prayed that and it actually happened. And then they start to turn their lives to God. And they say, well, maybe I can pray too. And they start to pray because, because their lives are no longer running for themselves. They, they actually, that's provenient grace. We Wesleyans, we Methodists, that's the idea for us, is that that provenient grace is turning them, and we get to be a part of that as we pray for unbelievers, for the needs of our community. People who don't love Jesus, I'm going to pray for them anyway. I'm going to pray for their needs. Because that might be a way that God gets their attention. And they see that he is real, that he does hear. And that they may turn and surrender their lives to him. You may be saying, yeah, but preacher, my prayers don't work. I pray all the time. I've tried. It doesn't work for me. God doesn't answer my prayers. I'll get to it later on, but I'll say, yes, he does. He always answers the prayers of his children. The prayers of his children. He's always he's, he's a good parent. He's a good, good father, right? He's always going to respond to the prayer. Now, he may not give the answer that we always want, but he's always going to answer. Except. Except for Proverbs 28, verse 9. Proverbs 28, verse 9 says, If anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even their prayers are detestable say it again because it's important for us if anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction even their prayers are detestable you see prayer is a gift to us is a privilege for us but but the problem with my prayer not being answered my prayer not being heard that i don't think it it, it, it may not be god it might be me it might be it might be that I'm living in a way that's just, I mean, I love Jesus and, I, and I, all that, but, but my life is marked by things that aren't of God. And, and God's going to say, well, I need to get you back here somehow. And one way for me to get you back here is for you to realize that you're talking in an empty room. Right? So sometimes God ignores our prayers in an effort to get, us, get our attention back to him. So we ask ourselves, what's wrong in my life that God would filter out my prayer? that he wouldn't answer my prayer. He heard it. But it's detestable to him. What in my life would make my prayer detestable before God? I better take care of that. I better take care of that. Prayer is a part of our relationship with the Holy Father. Being a follower of Jesus, I stress that, being a follower of Jesus, not a Christian, in answering the question about how do we pray as a follower of Jesus, Jesus tells us exactly what we're to pray for in this passage that we're looking at. In verse, uh, where are we at here? Yep. See, I had that passage up there. See, I had that one up there too. Daggone y'all, y'all supposed to keep me straight. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> Luke chapter 11, verse 2. Jesus continuing, he's teaching them how to pray. He says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. So, what are we to pray for? Jesus put it right there in those three verses. Exactly what we're to pray for. Real quick, I just want to point out these five things that Jesus calls us to pray for as his follower. The things that God actually wants in our lives. If you're taking notes in today's program, you might write these five things down because they're, they're, they're pretty important that our, our prayer life is to be marked by a seeking after. Father, hallowed be your name. Approaching God, desiring God's presence in our lives in a worshipful approach to prayer. Prayer is a worshipful experience. God is a holy God. So we pray to the Father. We seek the Father. Not, we, he doesn't say, I pray to the Spirit. Right? We don't pray, well, I'm, I'm going to say, we don't pray to Jesus. Right? I don't mean you can't pray to the Spirit. I'm not saying you can't pray to, the, to, to Jesus. What I'm saying is that who's the giver of the Spirit? Who sent the Son? God the Father. God the Father is the one who gives gifts, good gifts, from heaven above. God the Father is the source of all good things in our lives. He is the source of blessings. He's the source of power. He's the source of wisdom. God the Father is the source of all those things. So when we pray, we pray for God the Father's presence in our lives. Now, my daughter's home from, from school, work. I guess she's out of school now. She's actually got a job. So uh, she's, home from, she's home for the vacation. And uh, she's here just for the weekend. And uh, <clears throat> she hasn't asked for anything yet, which is a relief. Because there was a day when she would come home and it was, Dad, can I have this? Can I have that? Can I have this? Can I have that? Right? And we've all been there. We're either on the asking side or on the giving side, right? That's just part of it. In our prayer life, how do we do we come to God like that? Like, like, God, give me, give me, give me, or is it God? I want to just spend time with you. God's not an ATM. He's not a credit card. We know that, right? He's not just just give me, give me, give me. What we are to do though is to seek fellowship with Him. That's why Jesus referred to God the Father as Abba, Daddy. It's about a relationship. It's about that connection. We look for God's presence, not, not what we can get from Him, but how we can get Him, how we can get Him in prayer. How can we get connected, His presence in our prayer life? He continues in verse 2, your kingdom come, God's priorities, not mine, God's will, not mine, God's way. Not, not my way. I mean, I, I'm here to say, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done, Matthew said, on earth as it is in heaven. God, I want, I want your way to reign here, not the way of man. Not, not, not just Gary's way. <laughs> I got some great ideas how we can fix things, trust me. But that's not, that's not what I'm supposed to be pursuing. I'm to pursue the way of God. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first His kingdom, His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God will bless us in alignment with His priorities. It's not about me. That's what Jesus is saying here. Pray that. It's not about me. It's not about me and my way, God. Your kingdom come. Give us each day 
our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Today, give, give us. See, this is where it becomes a corporate part of the prayer, right? It's our Father. It's give us. I'm praying for us. Not just for me and my stuff and my needs, but I'm praying for others. That marks our prayer. Seeking God's provision for daily needs. Not just my own, but my brother, my sister, my neighbor. Daily provisions. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the richness of his glory in Christ Jesus. My God will meet all your needs. He can, he can do everything. I mean, he's done it through Christ. I think I, I see young people, and I know part of what uh, I remember. We all remember what it was like to be a kid and to be young, as a young adult even, to know what you wanted in the future, to have big plans. And you want that so bad. What we want is tomorrow's blessing, but we want it all right now. Right? We, want, we know what we want. We want it now. Ever been there? Yeah, I think, I think we all have. God says, don't, don't be praying about tomorrow's blessings. Pray about today's. Because here's, here's a newsflash for you. You're not ready for what you're going to get tomorrow. You're not the person you need to be for that tomorrow. God's got something he needs to do in you, in me today, that I'm not ready for tomorrow yet. That's the way I need to approach my prayer life. It's God, do in me today what I need so that tomorrow, when tomorrow gets here, I'll be, I'll be prepared for it. I'll actually be the man I need to be tomorrow, tomorrow. But today, Lord, do something in me. Do something in me today, Lord. Us as a church. This is a church. I, I came across this quote, and uh, I don't know. If, I think I, yeah, I have it up here. Charles Spurgeon wrote this. The condition of the church may be very accurately gauged by its prayer meetings. So is the prayer meeting a grace-o-meter? Grace I think that's how you would say that. I don't know, you know English or way back when. A grace-o-meter, maybe. And from it, we may judge of the, of the about of the divine working among, among the people, of how God works among the people. I left a word out there. If God be near a church, it must pray. And if he be not there, one of the first tokens of his absence will be a slothfulness in prayer. This, this challenged me, church. I'll say this. That we, you and I, need to be people of prayer. We need to be people of prayer. I don't know when's the last time we replaced a carpet on this altar, but it should have been replaced by now. Right? We need to be people of prayer. We need to be petitioning God with our brothers and sisters for all the things that we desire God to be doing in our lives right now. Not tomorrow, but right now we need to be approaching God. There's a lot going on in our church and our denomination. We need to be people of prayer about this together. Like, like I, I got lunch. No, we got to pray. I got plans. No, we, we need to pray. 
Preacher's got a service coming up, but we're staying to pray. We need to be people of prayer. (laughs) Not we need to be. We've got to be. If Wesley Chapel is ever going to be, if the church of Jesus Christ is ever going to be what God desires for it to be in today's world, it's only going to happen because of prayer. It's only going to happen because of prayer. Yours and mine. Not just prayer in general, but your specific prayer for this church, for our community. As I said, there's a list of prayer requests in that program. It's a list. All kinds of things. You can, it's, what do I pray for? Well, there, there you go. We'll give it to you. We'll give you now some ideas. The condition of the church is measured by its condition of prayer. He goes on. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. That's a good place to start, right? Forgive us, Lord, for our sin of slothfulness and prayer. Lord, forgive us for a lack of prayer, as I have forgiven my neighbor as myself. We seek God's pardon in prayer. We seek his pardon. We seek his forgiveness in prayer. We, we do that one all the time, right? Forgive me, Lord. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. I messed up, Lord. Forgive me. We, we, that one, we, we do that one readily, right? It's a good thing, too. 1 John 1, nine says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful, and he's just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful. Praise God. He is faithful. His love doesn't stop because we mess up. His, he doesn't stop loving us because our prayer life kind of gets weak and tippet. He doesn't, he doesn't just say, uh-huh, nope, I'm moving on. No, he doesn't. He continues to, to call people to pray, to call with his love. And lead us not into temptation, Jesus said. That's the fifth thing that he says. His disciples, their prayer life is going to be marked by, is by a call for God's power to overcome temptation. God's power to overcome. Matthew's record of Jesus' prayer adds that uh, deliver us from the evil one. Some translations may be deliver us from evil, right? Our enemy, the one who's tempting, right? That's what Satan is referred to as, the tempter. Deliver us from that. Deliver us from temptation. God, my eyes want to wander. Fix my eyes on you on the cross. That's that's what my prayer life is to be, is to get my attention off of the shiny and sparkly things that are in my life. But get my attention on Jesus. Like, make me, God, love you again. That may need to be your prayer. Create in me a love for you again, God. Matthew 7, 13 says, Even though the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road. Not that one yet. That leads to destruction. Wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. Well, we know this to be true, right? We know, we know how easy it is just to kind of get caught up in things of this world. We know, and... <laughs> okay, I'm not going to ask you... But I'll confess that, that it's been many times in my life that I've come to church, and between that time in church and the previous time in church, there wasn't any prayer. 
there, well, there hadn't been any prayer in my life. I mean, and sometimes that went on for years that I hadn't prayed. And I think for some of us, probably, it goes for a week. That I haven't prayed all week. And I didn't even think about it until, we just, until he just said something about it. That I've never settled my life, my heart, to pray all week. Like not really, I mean, yeah, we did grace, and, you know, we, we did thank you, Lord, for this food. And, but I didn't really sit down to pray before God. Why? Jesus says, this is what marks my people. This is how my people will be known. It's the way they pray. 1 Corinthians 10.13, Paul wrote to the church, No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to all mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he'll provide you a way out so that you can endure it. Because God is good, he will always be inviting you out of that. Always inviting you out of that. Saying, okay, let's start over. Let's start over. Let's do it. Let's, let's, give it, let's, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's start fresh. Let your prayer life be marked by these five. God's presence, God's priorities, God's provision, God's pardon, and God's power. That's what we ask for in prayer, according to Jesus. But the disciples, they want to know more. They have more on their minds than just what do we pray. It's, it's more of, more like, like how, okay, how long do we do that? It's like taking the vacation, the trip with the kids. You know, like, okay, are we there yet? How much longer? Are we, we going to be there in a little while longer? Like, yeah, you know what I mean, right? We've all been there. How long do we continue to pray for the same things again and again and again? Do we, we have to lift up the same thing daily? Or can we just offer it to God one time and just check it off our list? Like, how does that work? Hear how Jesus answers the question for his disciples. How long do we pray? Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. Well, suppose your friend inside answers you, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children are in bed and I can't get up and give you everything, anything. Jesus says, I tell you, even though he won't get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity to ask, because you ask and continue to ask, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus says, pray as long as it takes. Pray as long as it takes. Have the audacity to continue to ask until your friend answers. As someone else has put it, pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. What's that something? <laughs> uh, good question. Well, one thing that something can be, is we can actually get what we pray for, right? We pray, and, and God answers the prayer, and it's a yes, and we got the thing that we've been praying for, or it happened, or whatever, and, and it'd be foolish to keep praying for it, right? You've already, been, already experienced it, so 
obviously we'd stop praying for you then. So pray until something happens. First, it can be that you actually got the thing that you, the, the thing that you were praying for. Secondly, it can be pray until God says no. Pray until God says no. Yeah, sometimes God says no. When, when, going back to Daniel, he had been praying for God to deliver the people, right? Jerusalem. Deliver your namesake. Set us free, God. We've had this, this foreign ruler oppressing us, and God, you've got to come in and do something. You've got you to step in, God. And God says, no. God says, no, but I have a plan. But I have a plan, God says. He says, uh, it goes on in, in uh, I think it's Daniel chapter 10. Gabriel came to give understanding and insight to, to Daniel. Gabriel said to Daniel, he said, Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come in response. So you're not getting what you pray for, but I'm here. God heard you. God heard you and I'm here. And he says, what I'm going to give you is I'm going to give you understanding and what you're going to do is you're going to trust God. God has another plan. Answer your request is no. But know that God has a plan, and his plan is, trust me. <laughs> That's his plan. A lot of times when he tells you no in your prayer life, his plan is for you to trust him. Trust him. I get it. That, that, that's a lot easier said than done. But that's God's plan. Even if he were to say yes, it is to trust him as the one who gave it to you. Right? To trust him. Even in the no. And then you might continue to pray for understanding, like Daniel did. To continue to, continue to pray that you would get God's understanding. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes he says not yet. And so we continue to pray. And then we pray until you no longer want it. If he says not yet, continue to pray until it no longer matters. Until it no longer becomes the thing that consumes you, but instead Christ is the thing that consumes you. This happened even to Jesus, right? The book of Matthew records Jesus the night before he was crucified, how he went, went took some of his disciples and they went up on the mountainside to pray, Right? The, where they went to pray, and, and Jesus gets, gets in prayer, right, with his disciples, and he says, Lord, God, Father, please don't make me do this. Remember he said, take this cup from me. I don't want to do this. This is, this is not my desire, God. But knowing the will of God... He continued to pray, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed until his heart changed. And Jesus became bold and confident, confident in what God was doing in this moment, strengthening him, giving him everything he needed to walk down that mountain and walk into a crucifixion for us. Jesus did that. He didn't start, to, he was changed along the way, right? His prayer life revealed it. He became fully convinced in that moment that God's will be done. 
I think a lot of times, for me and you, we give up on prayer too quickly. We fail to appreciate what, what God is doing in prayer. Missing out. Or getting confused, right? What God wants to do through our prayers with what God wants to do in our prayer. What do I mean by that? I mean, we get fo- so focused on what we want the outcome to be. And what God so often focuses on is what the process is. The process of him doing something in us as opposed to just doing something for us. He's much more concerned about you and your heart than the circumstances of your life, my life. That may be hard to appreciate, but I I believe that to be true at my core, that God cares more about your heart than the state of your life, than the degree of your happiness or your suffering. God cares more about the status of your heart. Are you connected to God the Father? So pray. I encourage you. To pray until something happens in you, through you. Pray. Don't stop. Let your life be marked as a disciple of Jesus that uses the language of Jesus, that uses the practices of Jesus, that your life is known by the attitudes and the behaviors of a disciple of the risen Lord. I pray for you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love and your mercy, God. We thank you that your love for us never ends, that because of all you have done, we live. God, as we gather around your table today to receive your grace today, God, your grace comes packaged to us in in the form of a a piece of bread and and some wine, some juice. God, we ask that you would work in that, that which we need in us. Not what we want, but that what we need. Lord, to tune our hearts to you. Help us to get comfortable in silence. Help us to, to carve away the time, Lord. The time that we can dedicate to you in prayer. That it wouldn't be just an attitude of our heart, but it would be a practice of our lives that marks us. That we become known as a follower of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your call on our life. We love you. Amen.